First Peter 1, 7. And he talks about here, he says that the trial of your faith. Everybody say the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So we see that there is a trial of our faith. Always has been, and there will be in this church age, as Christians walk with the Lord down here below by faith, their faith will be tried. We had said to you yesterday that, that, that the, uh, the determining factor, like we've already mentioned briefly, in us receiving our healing is our faith. Again and again, when people were healed in the ministry of Jesus, he would tell them, he said, your faith has made you whole. As you have believed, so be it done unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Their faith was the determining factor. We know that we're saved by grace through faith. The just live by faith. The just walk by faith. First John says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith, faith, faith. Faith is precious to God. He uses the word here, precious. Precious. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, God is pleased. Faith is precious to God. That's a good thought just to meditate upon. That my faith is of a precious nature to God. He views it as precious. Very valuable. He esteems your faith highly. Amen. Well, also, your faith is a threat to the enemy. And therefore, a target of the enemy. And the enemy desires to destroy your faith. And he has many devices whereby he endeavors to do that. And so we've been talking, we began yesterday talking about the trial of our faith. What it is, how it happens, how to deal with it, how to overcome. Uh, to get the most out of this, you might want to go back and get the tape from yesterday to hear everything. We won't be able to say everything again. If we did, we'd run out of time and just have to close, you see. Not make any progress, but but uh, we had said to you, you know, that the enemy has many devices. And he works and works in situations to cause circumstances and experiences to occur in your life that are somewhat of a faith stripper. You know what I mean by that? So that by the time you go through it, when you come out on the other side, you've been stripped clean and bare of all faith. That's his objective. That's his plan. Amen. I, I'd never said that just like that before until yesterday. The Lord, I saw it. Amen. You know, and that, and that word describes it exactly. Faith stripper. How many of there, there are apparatuses, you know, you can put things in and it'll strip all the peeling off of it or strip all the bark off of it. Off of a log, or you know what I'm saying? Well, see, the devil endeavors to work different situations in your life so that by the time you come through it, you're stripped clean of faith. And we said to you, you know, there's nothing more pathetic, nothing more pitiful than a faithless human being. A faithless human being is a totally depressed, 
totally defeated, without vision, without hope individual. And uh, so many times when a person reaches that point, many times they commit suicide. You understand that people that commit suicide, they just have gotten to the point where they have no faith to go on. No faith for tomorrow. If they had faith, they wouldn't do that. Now, when I say that, you have to qualify that. See, they may have faith that there's a God. They may have faith that God is real. They may have faith that they're saved. But they don't have faith to go on. Do you understand? It can be confusing the way sometimes people say things. I've had people say, you know, Brother Keith, would you talk with this one or that one, and, uh, uh, you know, about being healed? Say that they have a lot of faith. But I don't understand. They're not making progress. And after I talk with them for just a moment or two, I realize they don't have any faith at all in the area of healing. And yet their relatives are all convinced, well, they have a lot of faith. Yeah, but what do you mean by that? They have a lot of faith. They have faith that God is real. They have faith that God can do anything. They have faith that they're saved. But see, that's not faith for healing. You understand? You can have faith that God is real and that God loves you and that you're saved, but that doesn't mean you have any faith to be healed. And so... The enemy works constantly to strip you of your faith. We read over in uh, Matthew, the 13th chapter, about verse 20, 21, along in there, about the parable of the sower, about the four different types of ground that the seed was sown on, wayside ground, uh, stony ground, thorny ground, good ground. And on that stony ground, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about here, of the trial of your faith. The individual heard the word, they understood it, they received it instantly with joy. They were glad about receiving it. But they had no depth and they had no root of reception. It was a shallow reception. You know, I've seen people before shouting and I didn't feel good inside about it because I knew they had a very shallow, superficial grip on what they're shouting about. And I, and I know if they don't get something beyond that, they can lose it by tomorrow afternoon. You ever seen folk, man, they, sh they shout today and they're in, in the dumps tomorrow about the same thing, you see? Well, see, they, they, that, that's what the Scripture is talking about. Uh, you, you not only need to just get a, a real superficial hold on the Word, you need, you need to do what the Bible says, you know, break up your fallow ground. Amen. And, and cultivate a depth of understanding. Get, get roots in you in that area that, that reach, as we say, halfway to China. I mean, you know, goes way down. Way down deep. So that no matter what happens, no matter what winds of adversity blow, you can't shake you off of that. Can't get it out of you. But it said that, that they only endure just for a little while. For when affliction or tribulation or persecution for the word's sake comes, by and by they are offended. In other words, they, when the trial of their faith occurs, when the pressure is on, they cast their confidence away, they give up, they quit, and they were effectively stripped of faith through the devil's faith stripper. Have you ever experienced one of the devil's faith strippers? <laughs> Have you ever gone through it? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, in my mind, I've got kind of a picture of one of these automatic car wash type deals, you know? <laughs> you know? Only something a lot worse, you know? You drive through there, and man, you're slapped, you're beat, you're sprayed, you know, you're kicked, you're thumped, you're jerked. <laughs> and how will you be when you come out on the other side? 
You know? Are you going to have all the faith washed out of you? According to this verse of Scripture, how are you supposed to come out? Shining. Is that right? Your faith is supposed to come out even more pure and more refined and more shiny than ever. Gleaming faith. Amen. More precious and more pure than refined gold. And that's what will happen. One of the two will happen. You'll either come out on the other side of these faith strippers, limp as a dish rag, pale as the sand, empty as last year's bird's nest, faithless, or you'll come out hard as nails, strong, amen, as the Spirit within you, and your faith refined and shining, and you'll be more convinced of what you believe than ever. It'll work one way or the other, won't it? And uh, your faith will be tried. I said, oh, brother, don't confess that over me. That's a fact, okay? You can confess what you want to, but your faith is going to be tried. Remember, years ago, somebody asked Brother Hagin, so what, what about the trial of your faith? What do you need to say or do about that? And he said, nothing. <laughs> nothing. You don't have to confess a thing. You have to do a thing. It will occur. The devil will see to that. The, the things in the world, the work of the enemy, will see to it that your faith is tried. Now see, your part is to see to it that you don't lose your faith. Amen. It's sad. But I know, I know of people and I know situations personally. And then some other situations indirectly through some other people. People that used to preach healing just as strong as I do virtually. And they don't preach it anymore. They actually preach the opposite. People that used to be great supporters of this ministry, love this ministry, believe Brother Hagin's materials, now they publish material against this ministry and distribute it. I, I'm, I'm thinking of people's specifics. I could call names. I know of situations of people that went through this school, graduated the school, and are now arch enemies of this ministry, Brother Hagin and his materials. What happened? What happened? They used to believe in healing. They used to believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. They used to believe in faith. They used to preach these things. They used to endeavor to live by them. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They went through a faith stripper. <laughs> Amen. And they come out on the other side faithless. That's exactly what happened. They were in a situation with somebody, I know some of them specifically, try, they were working with somebody, trying to get them healed, trying to get them delivered. It didn't work out. They didn't receive. Something didn't turn out the way they were trying to believe that it would be. Something didn't happen the way they thought it should turn out. And so they got uh, confused. They got disillusioned with the whole thing. And they lost their faith. Just threw it away. Said, well, that's, you know, that's not right. That's not, that's not what, what's right. And they got back to this stuff about, well, it's just all up to God. Whatever God wills, that's the way it's going to be. And that's what I call no-fault religion. You know what I mean by that? No matter what happens, it's, uh, it's not my fault. It's not our fault. You know? Everything is God. And so you're, we're like helpless pawns.
drifting, you know, on the wind, water, waves of time, just whatever is going to happen is going to happen. If that's true, why pray? Why do anything? You know what I'm saying? Do you see what kind of passiveness and, and helplessness that that leads you to? It leads you to despair. Like, you know, man, I don't have any control at all of what's going on. I'm just, I'm either predestined to hell or predestined to heaven, predestined to be sick, predestined to this and that, and I don't have anything to say or do about it. That's not true. That's a lie. Kind of like this lady, you know, she believed in extreme predestination. There is a truth of predestination, but then people push it too far and say we don't have any responsibility in, in our lives at all. And that's not true. The Lord said, you know, even back in Deuteronomy, He said, Behold, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. See, He tells us you've got a choice. You choose some things. And depending on what we choose, well, God's able to do or not able to do. Not that He doesn't have the power to do, but legally, once we've made our choice, He honors that choice. Well, there's this one lady, you know, she... She really believed in this extreme predestination. She fell down several flights of stairs. <laughs> rolled and rolled and rolled. Finally, when she got down to the bottom, she got up, you know, and she said, Oh, thank God that's over with. <laughs> so she was saying, you know, I, that was part of my predestined, you know. And, man, I'm glad I got that out of the way. Got that over with. <laughs> Well, if she had listened to the Spirit of God, <laughs> she might not have had that fall. You understand what I'm saying? We have some responsibility in life. We have some responsibility. But friend, I, I don't want you to turn out to be another one of these casualties. All right? No matter what happens, whether you understand it or whether you don't, the Word is right, the Word is true. Don't ever turn loose of it. Amen. And don't let anything rob you and strip you of your faith. Amen. Let everything that would try to rob you of your faith only serve to cause you to exercise your faith and let it become stronger right. and deeper rooted and come out of these things shining all the brighter. Praise God. Now, I told you yesterday that we would get into talking about exactly how the enemy operates these faith strippers. How he does things to, to cause your faith to be tried and tested, endeavoring to strip it from you, rob you of it. And I was reminded of the, the first faith stripper on record on planet earth. The first trial of faith ever recorded. And it's in Genesis. In the Garden of Eden. That's where the first one ever occurred. And it was effective. I'm sad to say. You know what I'm talking about. Turn back there with me, if you would, to Genesis. And let's look at the third chapter and let's study this uh, first faith stripper. Now, something that, that I need to take just a moment and talk to you about here is about how the enemy works. In fact, let's, let's just take a little more time. I'm maybe moving just a little bit fast. Go, before you look at that, hold your place in Genesis 3. Go to 2 Corinthians 11. Let's, let me give you a little bit of background here. You'll get more out of this if I do. 2 Corinthians 11. Then we're going to Genesis. 
Unless the Lord leads me somewhere else. <laughs> Second Corinthians 11. Verse 2. Paul's talking to the saints at Corinth here. And he's, uh, he's being very serious with them. And he says, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Have you ever noticed that when you get revelation from the Word of God, it's always simple? Do you notice that? Absolutely. You know, you, you may have read a certain portion of Scripture many times. Then you read it again for the 39th time, whatever. Or you hear, hear it preached again for the 25th time. And when you hear it that time, you go, Oh! Oh! Oh, that's what that means! Well, dummy, that's what it says. It's been in there all the time. There it is. Why didn't you see that? Isn't that right? That's the way it is, isn't it? It's just like it reaches up and slaps you in the face and goes, hey, here it is, ABC. You see that? You go, yeah, ABC, that's it. Simple. Two and two equals four. That's it. By stripes you were healed. That's what it says. Amen. And if you just stayed with that revelation simplicity, you'd stay in faith. But see, he's warning them. He says, I'm afraid. I'm concerned about you. Lest by any means, just like the, the enemy removed Eve and Adam from the simplicity of what they had. So that your mind would be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. You know, the more complicated something is to you, that's the less light you have on it. The more in the dark you are. And you know, it is no, nothing to, to feel good about that you can make something complicated or complex. You know, some, some folk actually pride themselves in complicating things. They really do. And that's a sign of little understanding. If when you explain something to somebody and it's very complicated, then that shows you don't understand it well at all. If you just have a, a knack for making things complex and complicated, that means you don't have much light. Did you hear me? And it means you probably have a lot of pride. Because see, you're, so I've seen people just purposely complicate something that was just as simple as could be because they wanted to impress people. Impress them. I, I know a, Brother Brian McCallum, dean of the school here, he was an Air Force pilot for years, flew the famous SR-71, fastest plane around, made back in the 60s, and to this day in the 90s, it's still the fastest plane around. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, very complex piece of machinery. Flies right up at the top of the Earth's atmosphere, you got much further you'd be in outer space. Flies 2,200 miles an hour. That's swift. Isn't it? Fly, flies so fast 
that it actually is longer in the air at top speed than it is sitting on the ground. It stretches several inches. Absolutely a fact. Stretch it. Going so fast, it, it lights up. It glows red. And it stretches several inches. 2,200 miles per hour is fast, friend. It's fast. <laughs> well, anyway, he said that uh, when they were learning to fly this this machine and doing some things, that they had this special system that somewhere else what took in the air for the engines and what have you, because, you know, it, it, a lot of different things have to work right to do that kind of thing, do that kind of speed. And they sent several people from these factories to explain some of these things to them so they know how to operate it right. And he said they sent people out there and they'd talk to them. And they, they couldn't understand. They, they couldn't get a hold of it. Spend days talking to them about some of these. They'd send other people out. They'd talk to them and talk to them. And these are intelligent people, you see. These are intelligent men. But they, they couldn't get a hold of it. And finally, they sent the guy who designed the thing. The guy who designed this part of the plane, he I mean, he created the thing. Within just a few hours, they understood it perfectly. He just he just began to say, when I see this, this works like this, this works like this. And they all said, yeah, yeah, okay, right. They got it just real quickly. See, he knew what he was talking about. You understand what I'm saying? You see, somebody who makes it complicated and complex doesn't know much about it. The person who knows a lot about it can make it simple, very easy, so that a child can understand. It is, it is no sign of accomplishment that you can speak in such compl complexities that everybody is standing there scratching their head going, hmm, he sounds smart, but I don't have the foggiest idea what he's, what he's talking about. <laughs> Do you know that you have, not, you have not communicated until people understand? Do you know that? Oh, you may think you you may think you expressed it perfectly, but unless the person understands, you have not communicated. You know. Now I, I am no master at linguistics. You can listen to me just for a few seconds and tell that. But uh, but I, I you know I've had an inclination to look up words and to find words and what have you. And once in a while, I'll think of a word that just to me very appropriate, aptly describes what what I'm trying to say. And if I say it, it's one of those bigger words, you know. Most of the time, the Spirit of God will check me. And he goes, why would you say that? See, half the people don't know what that means. Why would you say that? And I have to go, I'm sorry, Lord. Now, use another word. The Lord's never commended me. You know what I'm saying? For using exclusive language. He always corrects me. <laughs> of course, I, I don't know a lot of exclusive language. Don't, don't you misunderstand me. But once in a while, I'll think of a phrase. I'll think, all right, yeah, yeah, you know. Well, that's that's good. That's good. But then you then if you say it and folk look at you like, huh? And and, and the Lord says, "Now why'd you do that? Now straighten that up." <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because when the Spirit of God ministers to you, if you listen to Him, it's simple. It's simple. And this is something we need to understand that part of the enemy working in this faith stripping trial of faith, part of the way he works is to make things complicated and to make things complex and difficult when it is all so very simple. If you just stay with the simplicity that's in Christ, you'd be fine. The devil is very subtle. You'll see that word come up again and again. That word subtle just simply means crafty, sly, 
insidious, tricky. That's what it means. He's tricky. You know, you do not just want to match wits with the enemy. You understand what I'm saying? You don't. I mean, you, you may think you're real smart. But I'm telling you, if it just comes to you matching wits with him, you're going to be in trouble. Now, I know some people don't like that. But let me just, let me say it a different way. You're not just going to outthink the devil. You're not going to beat him at his game. If he can hold you over in the arena of the mind and get you to reasoning with him, he will defeat you. You cannot outreason the devil just with your intellect. I mean, he, he is a, a being, an ancient being. I mean, he, he was in the presence of God. We don't know how long. The anointed cherub that covers. He was in, in Eden. He has observed human nature and, and life for millennia. You understand? He has deceived the most brilliant. You are not, with your few years of earth experience, <laughs> you understand, just going to match wits with him and outthink him and outreason him. All right? But I tell you, we are singing a moment ago, greater is he that's in you. Well, I tell you, smarter is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. And if he's the smarter one, that makes the devil the dumber one. Amen. Now, not dumber than you, necessarily, you see, but dumber than the Holy Ghost. Now, if you depend on yourself, you're going to be in trouble. That's what I'm saying to you. But if you learn to depend on the Holy Ghost within you, he's smarter. Far smarter. See, the, the devil's a created angel. He's not in the same class and league with God. You understand? He is not an evil equal opposite to God. No, sir. No, ma'am. He's a fallen, created being. But now, if you just try to match your wits against him, you're going to come up lacking again and again. You understand what I'm Let me say it like this. If you try to reason your way out of things with him, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to be defeated. But if, if he can hold you over in the mental realm, hold you over in reasonings, then he's going to defeat you. But if you'll hold him over in the, the realm of faith, which is of the heart, not the head, you'll defeat him every time. Now, that's, that's worth remembering. Amen. I've heard Brother Hagin say that for years, and it's absolutely the truth. That if you, you know, don't, don't let the de devil hold you over in the area of reasoning. You hold him over in the area of faith. Don't, don't deal with him on his terms. Make him deal with you on your terms. Now, the more pride you have in your smarts, the more trouble you have with that. Because you'll think, oh, I, you know, I can out-reason him on this. No, he can't. He loves that. He loves it. When people say, oh, I can out-reason you. He goes, yeah, yeah, maybe you can. <laughs> I'm telling you, my friend, don't underestimate the enemy in these areas. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. He is very, very tricky. The more, the more I learn about these things, I am just... You know, I, I, I realize more and more, he is so tricky. So many times, even after you learn some things, you wind up and see, he's tricked me again. 
How did he do that? And you get to look at him and you think, well, you, you nasty rascal, you. You liar. You know, he slipped in on you in the back door. You talk about slick. You talk about crafty. You wily. He is. In talking about us putting on the whole armor of God, he said we're to do that, that we might stand against the wiles of the devil. So that's, that's how he wages war. He doesn't wage war the way so many folk today think he does. You know? He's very crafty. He tricks people into defeat. He deceives people into defeat. He lies them to them into defeat. So many folks that are trying to fight it in the flesh, they've already fallen into his snare. They're screaming and yelling and he's laughing. He is very crafty, very tricky. But, remember, greater and smarter is he that's in you. Not, not just what's in your head. He that's in you. He's smarter. Not your head. Him. He's smarter. He's smarter. And if you'll follow him, he'll lead you to victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. It must frustrate the devil for you to have such an unfair advantage. Because see, if it's just you versus him, you know, he'd have it bad. But you have this helper in you. I'm sure he thinks, no fair, no fair. To have God actually living on the inside of you, no fair. (laughs) But tough, tough. He's in me and we're going to win. Amen. That's just tough. <laughs> I know I know the devil doesn't like it. But see, the thing is, even though many people have the Holy Ghost in them, it's almost like he's not in them. Because they don't pay attention to him. They don't listen to him. They don't look to him. So that's why they fail and are defeated again and again and again. So you've got to take advantage of him who's inside. You've got to look to him. You've got to lean on him. Depend on him. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. See, the more you're depending on yourself, your abilities, your knowledge, it's to that degree you are not depending on Him. You're not utilizing His resources. The harder you try to do it, the less you're depending on Him. You have to learn to trust in Him. Let Him help you. Follow Him. Let Him move and work through you. Amen. That you know, reminds you of the the, the, the well-known saying, let go and let God. You know, a lot of times you've got to turn things loose and start trusting Him and following Him instead of just working so hard at it yourself. But He's tricky. Do you understand that? Always tricky. Always crafty. Crafty, crafty, crafty. Verse 14 in the same chapter, it says, No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now that's tricky, isn't it? Isn't that tricky? <laughs> you know. Somebody said, I saw, I saw the devil. What'd you see? Oh, he had a pitchfork. He had a, a pointed ears, pointed tail, and he had a red suit on. Well, you probably ate too much pizza. <laughs> or something. Because <laughs> you know, Apt is not, if the devil appeared to you, how he would appear. 
Like Gabriel. Michael. An angel of God. I had a fellow one time. Tried to help him talk to him. He wouldn't listen. He saw an angel, he said. Told me about what, you know, the things that this angel told him. And he went on just a few minutes. And I saw it's wrong. You know, this is completely wrong. It's against the word. Unscriptural, unbiblical. I'd heard it before. It was nothing new. I began to try to show him from the scripture. No, that can't be right. That can't be right. And he said, no, but I saw an angel. You know, gleaming white. You know, that, well, that had to be God. Oh, no. I said, you believe he saw an angel? Yeah, probably he did. But it wasn't from God. You understand? So the enemy can do some supernatural things too. Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Just because you see a being of white does not mean you've heard from God. Are you with me? That's a revelation to some folks. Did you read that verse there? Satan transforms himself into an angel of Oh, he's crafty. See, he wants to trick you. Think you try to make you think, well, I've heard from God. God sent an angel to me. Remember what Paul said? He said, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what you've received. Let him be accursed. In other words, I don't care if a, if a, a choir of white-robed beings come through the ceiling of your bedroom tomorrow morning about 6 o'clock and sing a, a heavenly, supposedly, message to you, you check it out in the book. Is that right? And if it doesn't line up, then you just laugh at it and say, what a show. What a show, devil. Get that stuff out of my room. Amen. I said, you know, that's that's very unlikely to happen, okay? I just said, if something that wild were to happen. Oh, thank God for the Word. It's our standard. We measure and check everything by it. Amen? Somebody prophesies to you, check the book. Let's see. Well, I'm sorry, brother. Your prophecy don't line up with this. So I can't receive your prophecy. Somebody gives you a tongue and interpretation. Check the book, you know. And there's something in the book that says, oh, no, that's out of line with the book. I'm sorry, I can't accept your tongue and interpretation. Yeah, but it's brother so-and-so. I don't care if it's me. You understand? It doesn't make any difference. You check everything. By the word. By the word. Amen. Thank God for prophecy. Thank God for tongues and interpretation. But it is subject to scrutiny and examination and judging from the word. And also, trust what you have in your heart. Sometimes you, you, may, you might say, well, I don't know. I don't really see anything wrong with it. I don't know. But see, you've got the same Holy Ghost inside of you. And he'll, he'll let you know by the inward witness what's right, what's wrong. Trust what you get in your heart. Trust what you get in your heart. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, so-and-so prophesied this to me or that. And I say, well, what, when, they, when they said that to you, what did you think? Well, I don't know. I, something kind of inside me bothered me about it. But I thought, well, that's brother so-and-so. They must know. Friend, trust what you get in your heart. Or I don't care who it is. I don't care if they're famous or infamous. Trust what you get in your heart. Now, uh, how many understand the devil's tricky? Let's go to Genesis now and watch him in action. 
Here he is. He has concocted a faith stripper, a trial of Adam and Eve's faith, and uh, he's implementing it here, and it's recorded for us. Somebody said, he wasn't just really trying their faith, he was checking their obedience, wasn't he? Same thing. I said the same thing. When you're tempted to disobey, your faith is tried. I don't know whether you realize that or not. But it's, it's connected, directly connected. The reason people sin again and again is because of lack of faith. Now you may not see that connection first off. You may have to think about that a while. But don't throw that away. Don't throw that away. Let me just, let me just take a, a common thing. We live, we live in a society that where fornication and adultery and immorality is very prevalent. And uh, just take Christians. Many times Christians fall into these things. Why do they? Again and again, the bottom factor is, is lack of faith. You might say, how, how can that be? Well, here's, it's a young individual. They have an opportunity to get involved in immorality. They're tempted. Lust and desire of their flesh, what have you. Now see, the flesh and the enemy will say, hey, you, you know, you only live once. Somebody cares about you or acts like they do and here's an opportunity, you know, take, you know, grab all that you can get out of life. Faith says, no, God has something better for me. Amen. I have desires, I have needs, but if God says this is wrong, He knows better than I do, He's got something better for me. He's got someone that's better, He's got a situation that's better, I'm going to hold out and believe for God's best. Now see, unbelief will grab whatever's available. Faith will wait and get God's best. Do you see that? How that faith and, and obedience or disobedience are directly connected. Anyway, let's look at the uh, deceiver, the subtle one in operation. And, and we're seeing here now how that your faith is tried. The Bible said in chapter 3, verse 1 of Genesis, Now the serpent which was the animal that the devil manifested through and worked through. The serpent was what? More subtle. There's that word. What does it mean? Crafty, tricky, deceptive. You know, uh, uh, yeah, somebody said sly. That's exactly right. That's one of the words that's used. Sly. Sly. You know, the Bible uses some of the same terminology about people that deceive folk with doctrine through cunning craftiness, lying wait to deceive. Slick, tricky. You know, James talks about a wisdom that is from beneath, that is earthly and sensual and devilish. It's a wisdom. Have you ever seen somebody that they were intelligent, but in an evil way? You know? I mean, know what I'm talking about. Well, see, that they, they received an inspiration for that intelligence from the enemy. He has, a, he has a devilish wisdom and a devilish intelligence. You know, in, in the real sense of the word, the devil is not what you would call dumb at all. Now, granted, somebody that got kicked out of heaven, you know, uh, you could argue that point, you know. That's pretty dumb. But you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> So, I mean, you know, you can look at some very wide general scope of faith, but if you're just talking about his ability to think, 
you'd call him brilliant. But in an insidious, dark way, you see. Very evil, but very brilliant as far as being able to think and plan and deceive. That's what he does all the time, I guess. Sits around and thinks, and plans, and schemes. And then through his imps and through people, implements his schemes and plans. And I've, I've been surprised at how well mapped out some of them were. You know, how long the enemy would work on a particular thing. How many pieces of the puzzle he'd work to try to get them in place to trick people. You understand what I'm saying? He's tricky. Don't underestimate him in those areas. But what? The smarter one. The smarter one is in you. Everybody say it out loud. The smarter one is in me. He's much smarter than the enemy. The wiser one is in me. The greater one is in me. Praise God. But the devil is subtle. And he came and he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now here's one of the first things that you see that the devil uses to try your faith. He challenges the Word of God. He challenges you about your understanding of it. What did God say to you? And he'll challenge that. And he'll ask you. Because see, that's the heart of your faith. Your faith is based on what God told you. And so naturally, that's what he's going to try to jerk out from under you, is what God said to you. Amen. What did God tell you? So he said, hath God said to you? What did he say? Did he tell you not to eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now I've heard some people say, well, see, she's confused about that because she said, uh, don't touch it, and God never said, don't touch it. And so, well, it didn't say that over in the second chapter. Yeah, but they talked with him every day. All right? I've seen people grab a hold of things and build doctrines on it where I don't really see where they're coming from. They fellowship with him every day. How many think also that if you're not supposed to eat of the tree, it's a good idea not to touch it? Is that right? I mean, it's not like there's some contradictory element here. Stay away from the tree. Don't touch it. Don't eat of it. She is not confused here. I can see no confusion. She said, yeah, God said, don't mess with the tree. She's got... That's simple. You understand? This is simple. They're not confused. But do you see the enemy begin to try to corrupt their minds from that simplicity and make things complicated and complex? What's he after? Rob them of their faith. Strip them of their faith. Are you seeing how he does it now? Watch him closely. Because that's how he's, he'll work on you and work, on, work against me to do the same thing. She said, yeah, you know, he, that's what he said. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. That is a lie. Right? So the devil, through the trial of your faith, you see, he will challenge you about what God told you, and then he'll blatantly lie to you about it. He'll contradict it and lie to you about it. 
You know, if you've ever endeavored to get in faith about something and, and, and obtain words from God whereby you could stand solidly on, you've encountered the enemy's tactics along this line. You know? Brother Hagin talks about, if you've ever read his books, listened to his tapes and messages, he talks about the struggle he went through as a teenage boy lying on the bed paralyzed. Nobody around to teach him about faith. Nobody in his church believed in, in having faith for healing. They didn't know about it. And had no help or encouragement, but he had the Holy Ghost helping him. Amen. But he, he said, you know, that he, he finally got a hold of Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And he read that. And when he read it, his heart left, you see. And something inside told him, that's your answer. That's it. That's your answer. That's what you've been looking for. That can get you off of this bed. But he said immediately, immediately, these thoughts came to him. Well, yeah, but that's not what that means. See, that, that doesn't mean, so it says all things, you know, you know, what things serve you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. But those things he's talking about, that's, those are spiritual things. See, that, that doesn't mean physical things like healing. That's just spiritual things. Do you see? Here's the trial. When he heard that and read that, faith leapt up in his heart and immediately the enemy came. I mean, you know, the, the enemy must have a faith radar. You know what I mean by that? I mean, I don't know, maybe faith sends off some kind of a light in the spirit or some kind of radiation that, that can be seen and measured because, man, when somebody has faith, I'll assure you, the enemy will home in on it like a beacon. I mean, zoop, he'll be right there to try to get it out of you. Do you understand that? Yes. And you just need to be ready for this. Amen. I mean, you can be sitting in a service, you can be listening to a tape, you can be reading the Bible, reading a good Bible-based book or something, and see a good truth that just blesses you, and the very next thing, there you'll be. No, no, no. Now, what did he say? What did he say? And you go, well, he said this. Yeah, yeah but no, no, that's not what that means. You see, that's not, that's not what that means. Brother Hagin said he read some things, you know, about the Lord being the healer, you know, uh, uh, got some things from the Old Testament. He's, he's on the bed sick, you see. And then the enemy, enemy immediately came and said, yeah, but now that's just for the Jews. That's just for the Jews. Did God tell you he was the Lord that heals you? Yeah, he's the Lord that heals me. Uh, well, no, no, not really. See, that's, that's, he said that to the Jews. Now, what happens is a lot of times people hear that and they believe that and then what happens? Inside them, they, their feathers fall. They go, huh. Man, I thought I found something good. And the devil said, no, I'm sorry. It, uh, it doesn't apply to you, dear. I'm sorry. And you go, really? It doesn't. But he's a liar. It does apply to you. It does belong to you. That dirty liar. How many people's faith has he robbed? You understand what I'm talking about? Some poor saint, you know, that's just up to their eyes in debt and they need help so bad and God finally some way leads them to read Philippians and they get to the fourth chapter and read the 19th verse. But my God shall supply all your needs and, and their heart leaps up and they go, oh, oh, wonder if that means, what if that, and the devil says, no, hon, I'm sorry. No, no. Look, See, he's talking about things like spiritual needs. Like, you know, if you needed something spiritual, like some grace.
to withstand a great trial, like being in debt, you see. Now, now God could give you grace to endure this shame of having all of your possessions repossessed and, you know, but, but no, no, you can't actually take that and apply it to material things. No, I'm sorry. No. And how many people have gone? I'm sure that's right. I don't and then sometimes, bless their hearts, they call their pastor or whoever, and they say, well, you know, that's really... Uh, and they give some big spill they learn in some dead seminary somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? No, uh, actually, that's referring to spiritual. You know, bless people's hearts. Yeah, you know, every time you find something good that blesses you, and folks will shoot you down out of the sky. You know, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Your heart gets excited, and then the devil and people that listen to him and preach his lies just bam, bam, blow you out of the sky. And you're going, oh man, I thought I had a good one there. No, no, sorry, sorry, that doesn't apply to you. Yeah, but look at in the book of Acts. See, man, they got healed. Look at those healings. And they spoke in tongues. Tongues. <laughs> and then the devil say, yes, but now you see, that's passed away. That's not for us today. That, that's, that's passed away, you see. In fact, you can, you can read any number of these uh, uh, commentaries by these learned individuals and, and they'll tell you. It's passed away. It's not for us nowadays. Just call, just call Doctor So and So. He'll tell you. Just, just listen to this. He'll tell you. It's, it's not for everybody. You see. And so their heart falls. They go, and they resign themselves to not having the experience, not walking in. Faith strippers. Hmm. <laughs> This is worth thinking about, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. You know, I never preached about this, preached about this before. First time I ever preached on this. Amen. Amen. Believe the Lord gave us something worthwhile. Amen. 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 Let's just believe and get all the goody out of it. How many know what I'm saying? Let's, you know, let's, let's milk it all out, you know? We'll just have to take our time. You know? Instead of getting our faith stripped, we're going to strip all the good out of this. Amen? Yes. So our faith is built. And you know, to, to not be ignorant of his devices is going to put you at a tremendous advantage. Because the next time he comes up with something and you, you see a scripture that blesses you and you hear that voice and, well, no. Now you say, you shut up. You just shut up. This is for me. Now you shut up. It's mine. <laughs> Amen. It belongs to me. You know. You, you know, some, some person needs healing real bad. The Lord finally some way gets them in a, in a service where they hear some things or they're reading over in Matthew and they get to Matthew 8, you know, and they read himself took our infirmities, bear our sicknesses. And they say, oh, well, he took our infirmities. Well, if he took them, if he took them, then what does that mean? What does that mean? And the enemy will say, well, now, you see, uh, that's talking about he took their infirmities right there on, the, on that day when he was ministering to those people, you see. And he, he ministered to them 
And that he, he just did that to prove that he's the Son of God. And to prove that he's deity. But see, he did that and he accomplished that. And that's taken care of. So that, that really doesn't apply to you today in your case. Yeah, but it said over here, you know, by his stripes you were healed. Yeah, but you see, that, that's talking about a spiritual healing. It's a spiritual healing. You're healed spiritually. Yeah, but I thought it said, you know, over here in Psalms, you know, that he forgiveth all thine iniquities. He healeth all thy diseases. What does all mean? Well, yeah, but now you see, you've got to remember, first of all, that's just for the Jews. You're back in the Old Testament. You see, that's, that's not even for you today. <laughs> and besides that, you see, there, it, it, you just really don't understand the Word of God. You, you know, you don't understand it. So just, just leave it alone. Let the folk that have the education talk about it. You know, you don't know. But you just realize that this sickness is obviously your cross to bear. And God will give you grace. And you glorify God in your sickness. Now just calm down. And, and let the Lord's will be done in your life. How many multitudes of people have been robbed of their faith just through those things that I just said? Stripped. Stripped. I said the devil plays and prays on ignorance. He does. You know? I don't know what the people I've encountered try to tell them, you know, that God wants to bless them. Financially and materially. And some folk, man, they've listened to so many of the devil's lies, it makes them mad if you'd even say that. I'm serious. I mean, you even say anything about that, and they go, ah, oh, no, preacher, no, I don't want you getting on that stuff. I don't like that. If you want to talk about healing, well, maybe so, but you know, stay off of that, all right? No, not all right. Amen. I'm not taking up any offerings. Relax. But God wants you blessed. Amen, He wants you blessed. Yeah, but the Bible said, you know, that, that money is the root of all evil. It talks about that filthy lucre. See, a lot of folk know just enough of the Scripture to be ignorant. You know what I'm saying? And the devil knows that. He said, don't you? He said, didn't you notice that he's caused money? Filthy. You don't want any of that nasty stuff. Filthy. You know? And money's the root of all evil. You don't want, you don't want that? You stay away from that. You stay holy and poor. You please God better. Lies. 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 Amen. And if it bothered you a little bit for me to talk about that, then see, that's just a sign that you've been believing some of his lies. Amen. I mean, you, you could have faith for healing and not have any faith for finances. You know, or the other way around, you could have faith, you know, believe God wants to, you to be blessed and have faith for finances, not have faith for healing. So different areas of your life, your faith is at different levels. But don't let the devil rob you of your faith. Your faith is precious. Precious to God and to you. 
Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Notice what the devil will do in the trial of your faith. He will question the Word of God. And he will challenge it. And he will try to misinterpret it to you. And misapply it. And every time your heart leaps with some anticipation or expectation of a great scripture, he'll try to knock it down. You, you wouldn't even have to know all the details to understand what I'm talking about. Has that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you? You read something and you get all excited only to get knocked down, you see. And then maybe later on in life find out, well, that was right. Well, that was right. That was right. But see, you were robbed that period of time in between then. You know, kind of like the lady that got healed at camp meeting a few years ago. Came out of a wheelchair. Had been in it for years. Got up out of the wheelchair, walked. Brother Hagin just pointed to her during one part of the service and said, when I point to you again, the Holy Ghost will come on you, get up and walk out of that chair. In just a few moments, he did it. Pointed to her, up she came, she walked. Well, somebody saw her walk out of the doors a few days later and recognized her. Said, oh, you're, you're that lady that got healed the other night. She said, yeah. They, they thought, well, that's kind of strange. She didn't act very happy about it. So, well, you, you got healed, right? Yeah. Well, there's something wrong. I mean, you know. Well, no. But she said, I, I just realized the other night that, that nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And I've been sick all that time for nothing. I could have been healed years ago. But see, her church believed lies. They taught lies. She believed lies. It was bad. Well, that sure reminds you of the Scripture. You shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It will set you free. Glory to God. Glory to God. The devil is such a liar. Jesus told us he was. Didn't he? He said he's a liar. He's a father of lies. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. He's a liar and the father of it. One translation says when he's lying, he's talking his own language. That's his language. Lies. He speaks in lies. But you talk about a proficient liar. He's such a liar. You know, there's people that are really, you understand how I say this, a liar is a bad thing. But you understand what I mean? Some people are good at lying. You know what I mean by that? Man, they, they are good liars. Now, you understand how I use that word? I mean, they're such liars. They, uh, they lie to you, and you think for sure they're telling you the truth. They just look you right in the eye and lie. Just lie right through their teeth. You're looking at them, and they're just lying. And they're telling you, bold-faced, just like it's true. See, they've been hanging around with the wrong one. That's the devil. That's his nature. That's his language. They're yielding to him. It'd be a terrible thing. You know, uh, it shows real failure of character to be a good liar. I mean, you really have need to grow a bunch. Maybe need to get saved first. I don't know, you know. But <laughs> Christians can lie. Don't misunderstand me. That's not a Christian thing to do, but folk can. But, uh, you know, the closer to God you are and the more sensitive your heart is to God, it's just very difficult for you to tell a lie. You know, you'd choke trying. You know what I'm saying? I'd, I'd be in trouble lying. I'd give myself away. You know what I'm saying? Because if I, if, you know, if I, if I tried to lie, I, I'd, I'd choke on it because I know how God hates it 
You know what I'm saying? And I just, it wouldn't be neat for me to try because folk could know it. They'd look at me and go, you're lying. Look at you. Look at your face. Look at the way you act. Because I'd be sweating. I'd be red. You know what I, because I, a person who is a good liar, they have serious problems. Serious problems. And they're a long ways from God if they're saved. No, 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 no. But, uh, the devil will challenge the word of God that you heard that excited your heart. He'll challenge it. He'll say, now did God tell you that? And then he'll say, now that's not what that means. Isn't that exactly what he told Eve? So, so did God tell you not to eat of that tree? Yeah, he said, don't eat it. Don't, don't mess with it. Leave it alone. He said, you won't die. Now you see that, that's not, you miss, you don't understand. Let me tell you how it is. See, you won't really die. The implication here is that he was suggesting to them, you see, God just told you that, keep you away from the tree. Because he knows that when you eat that fruit, you'll get, you'll get knowledge of good and evil. It'll put you right up on the level with him. You'll be like God. No good. And in fact, the implication is you won't even really need him so much anymore. You'll be right up there on the same level with him. And that's why he told you not to do it. Because you won't die. He just told you that's scary. And do you see, here's, here's another thing about the trial of your faith, and I'm, I'm not just wasting time. He, in, in the trial of your faith, the enemy will challenge the word. He will try to misinterpret it to you, cause, rob you of your faith through that aspect. He will also try to cast a shadow on the character of God. Do you see that? Try to get you questioning God's character the goodness of God, the reliability of God. So many times he'll use this ploy when people have endeavored, they've tried, they were thinking that they're believing God in this area that, and it didn't work out, you see. And then he'll come, the devil will come and say, uh, God told you he would do that, didn't he? Well, yeah, I thought he did. Yeah, he didn't do it though, did he? See, he let you down. Why didn't he stop this? Why did he let this happen to you? You've tried. You've done the best you know how. And you go, yeah, I have. I'm doing the best out of He said, I know you have. I know you have. I mean, if that ain't good enough for God, then what kind of God is he? You see? I mean, you tried, didn't you? Yeah. I'm doing everything I need to do. I confess the word morning, noon, and night. I, yeah. Yeah. If that's not good enough for God, I say forget him. Somebody pull their heart out like you did and try like you did and then God won't even take the time to do it for them. I say forget him. He don't care about you. He didn't come through for you. Why do you keep serving him? He let you down. That meant more to you than anything in the last 20 years that you've ever prayed about or talked about. And he did nothing. Just stood by while it fell apart. Are you listening? Now, you know, you won't necessarily hear audible words to that effect, but those thoughts, those thoughts, they come, they come, they come. What's he trying to do? Character assassination. You understand? And what he's really doing is challenging the truth that God is a good God. That's what he's challenging. He's challenging it. He's challenging the truth that God is faithful. 
that God is righteous and just. He'll come to you and he'll say, that's not right. That's not right. It's not right. It's not right. Why didn't God do this? Why did God let this happen? Why? 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 You'll scream it in your ears. The next thing you know, that's why you hear people going, Why? Why? God, why now? I was doing everything I knew to do. They were doing everything they knew to do. Why? You're in trouble. Your faith is being stripped off. You understand? Your faith is being stripped off. I've got to let you go, but let me share this with you. And this, I'll share it with you in just a few seconds, but it took me years to see it. Years. When I say years, I'm a relatively young man. But I think I'm sharing with you at least 20 years. As a boy, I had a chronic problem, physical problem. Virtually incapacitate me two or three times a year. And part of the effect of it was that I had boils and hives that would come on my body. Terrible. Just agonizing. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't rest. Terrible. And uh, I don't know. A lot of times when that happened, I'd read the book of Job. Because I figured, I knew he had boils and hives. You know? And I thought, hey, you know, this guy knows. So me and Job, you know, because I remembered I heard somebody say he sat down with a broken piece of pottery, you see, scraped himself, those boils, you see. And I thought, yeah, he knows, man, he knows. Without realizing it, the Lord had me going that way even as a child, you see. I'm talking about young, 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 even pre-teen years, you see, and then all through my teens. And so I read Job, didn't understand it, of course. Read it again, didn't understand it. Read it again, through the years. And then when I finally got, you know, began to answer the call to the ministry and came out here to work with Healing School, I've been working out here with Healing School for 10 years. Uh, then I certainly got more interested in it, and I'd read it and read it, because, you know, you can go all over the world, and folks that don't even know about Jesus' stripes know about Job's boils. <laughs> you know, they do. They do. And a lot of folk have more faith in Job's boys than they do Jesus' stripes. You know? You know? You can go with folk, you know, they don't even know a thing about the Bible hardly. But somebody came through and said something, you know? And so they know about Job's boys. And Paul's thorn. Don't forget that. It's Paul's thorn. <laughs> and see, that's, that's all part of them. That, that's part of the enemy's faith strippers, okay? Wonder, wonder how many people's faith for healing the devil stripped off with Job's boils and Paul's thorn. Uh, he's got those in his trophy room. I guarantee you, you know, Job's boils and Paul's thorn, that's one, that's one of his most highly prized faith strippers. It is. I bet, I bet you it's un, untold myriads of people. That time he pulled them through Job's boils and Paul's thorn, they didn't have an ounce of faith left for healing. Of course, that delights him. But anyway, the more I begin to look at Job and search it and search it and search it, because I couldn't understand it. I, you know, I couldn't see. I know he got attacked. I know they argued. Him and his friends. 
I know he finally wound up healed. I finally got a hold of that. Hey, the punchline is Job got healed. I got that. That helped me a bunch. How many know? So, you know, because folk come up and say, you know, well, I guess I'm just like poor old Job. I go, well, hallelujah. Praise God. See, Job got healed. So if you're like Job, you're about to get healed. Historians tell us that probably the whole account of Job only lasted less than a year. Maybe eight months, something like that. Job had, oh, he had a trial. Oh, boy. He was tested to the hilt. But he didn't live like that all his life. His multi-billionaire before the attack got twice as much afterwards. Somebody talk about poor old Job. That's the wrong word to use, my friend. <laughs> wrong word. Job was not sick all his life. He was not poor. He was attacked severely for several months. But he overcame. He came out with his faith shining. Amen. But uh, one of the great things that I finally learned out of that writing is what I'm talking to you right now today about. I saw that the accuser of the brethren, the devil, came, challenged uh, the issues of Job. I saw that judgment was granted. I saw that the, that the destroyer had access to Job. I saw that he attacked him. And one of the main things that Job did is for chapter after chapter, he said, this is not right. I don't know how much you've studied or not, but he said, this is not right. This is not fair. I'm a just man. I'm a righteous man. In other words, this ought not to be happening to me. This shouldn't be happening to me. I haven't done anything wrong. And his three friends would say, now Job, the curse causes doesn't come. You see, so you did something. You're guilty. Now just repent and get things right and you can come out of this. And Job would say, I am not admitting anything. I have done nothing wrong. And God, this is not right. God, this is not fair. He said, I wish God would talk to me about this. I wish He would. Because I would say some things to Him. Now, if you, if you had never seen this, you go read it carefully and closely. Finally, Elihu spoke by the Spirit of God. And he said, uh, he said, Job, you're wrong that you say I'm more righteous than God. And he said, Job's three friends, you're wrong because you've condemned Job and yet you couldn't show him anywhere he missed it. And so he talked to him about some things. And then the Spirit of God spoke up. God spoke out of a whirlwind. And you know, he did not pat Job on the back. He spoke very sternly to Job. And among other things, he said, who is this that challenges my judgment? Will you, will you, uh, plead yourself more righteous than me? Will you, will you, uh, disannul my judgment and condemn me so that you may be righteous? He said, I got some questions for you. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? If you know it all, tell me. That, that's the essence of his questioning. He said, since you, you think you're qualified to accuse me of wrongdoing, I got, the, I got some simple questions for you. Do you understand this? Do you know this? Do you understand this? Do you know this? And again and again, Job was just going, Mm-mm, no. Where's the wind come from? I don't know. How's, where, how, where did the ocean begin? I don't know. What holds the earth in space? I don't know. I don't know. Why did this animal do this? And why does this one do this? And why doesn't this happen? Why do, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. In other words, he's saying, Job, if you don't, if you can't answer these things, how do you challenge me and accuse me of wrong and accuse me of being unfair. And I finally saw that I had, uh, my focus had been uh, a little bit off 
Because I kept thinking, well, what was the thing that the devil found that got him access to Job? How come he got, how come he got access? How come he got access? How come he got access? And I begin to realize, hey, there's a bigger issue. There's a bigger issue, and that's this. How do you respond when you don't know why? Did you hear me? It took me years to get over that. But oh, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. So there will be situations where you don't know why. And it doesn't look right to you. It seems unfair. But that is a trial of your faith. Do you understand? And what you've got to be able to do is no matter what it looks like, what it feels like, you've got to stand there and say, I don't care what it looks like. God has never failed me. And God is good. And God is just and fair. Amen? And the times that will try you the most, uh, you might be, you may be standing beside a casket. Are you listening? You may be looking at something bad that just happened. You may be looking at this that you were thinking it turned out this way or that way and it didn't turn out that way. Did you hear me? But that your faith will be tried. A lot of folk don't pass those tests. They come out stripped. They come out, they don't have faith in prayer. They don't have faith in God. They don't have faith that it is God's will to heal all and to bless all. Somebody said, well, if it was God's will to heal all, then they'd have been healed. Wrong. 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 Is it God's will to save all? Are all saved? Are people dying lost? Yes. Does that prove it's God's will for some of them to be lost? No. Then why don't we have that much understanding in other areas? Are you with me? I'm talking about passion, the trial of your faith. In life, there'll be things you don't understand. And be careful about trying to figure it all out and pushing it into a box with your understanding. Sometimes you just have to lift up your hands and say, I don't know why. But I know this. God's good. And God's fair. And He's just. And He... uh, he, he, his will is for me to be blessed and for me to be healed and for me to be victorious and for everybody to be that way. That's His will. Irrespective of what is happening or what has just happened, that is His will. Amen. Amen. And if you'll hold on to that, my friend, through faith and patience and perseverance, you'll come out. I said, you'll come out. And you'll see that God will prove to you. He'll prove to you. Once God got through talking to Job, you read over in the 42nd chapter, He said, uh, He said, I've spoken once, yea, twice, but I lay my hand on my mouth. He said, I've said things that I didn't understand, and I repent in dust and ashes. And in just a few verses later, it says, The Lord turned His captivity and gave Him twice as much as what He had before. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Don't believe the lies of the devil, my friend. Plead with you. I implore you. Never let him cast a shadow in your mind on the spotless character of God. There's, I, I'll be honest. There's been times in my life. I've worked in these areas for years. Like I said, even before I came to school, I was working trying to help people get healed and, and do things. We've got a lot of people healed. We've seen a lot of people blessed and, and delivered and healed. And, and I'll preach it till the day I die or the Lord comes that it's His will to heal all. You understand? I'm convinced. I'm sold on it. 
Couldn't knock it out of me. My faith's been tried in those areas. You understand? It's been tried several times. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's the last it'll be tried either, but it's been tried several times. The one thing about it, the more it gets tried and the more you make it through, the harder you are to shake. Amen. You just get harder to shake. You know? There's been times that I saw things that didn't turn out the way I, I, I was thinking they would. And, and I, I've been perplexed and I thought, well, I don't understand that. Well, it's all right to tell the Lord you don't understand. It's all right to ask Him to teach you, but don't ever ask Him things accusatively. You know what I mean by that? Don't, don't, you can say, Lord, I don't understand. Teach me. Help me to understand. Show me. But don't ever say, why? Because see, there's an accusative tone in that. Accusing God of being unfair, unjust, unfaithful. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do it. There's been times I didn't understand things and I thought, well, you know, why didn't that go this way or whatever? And the Lord permitted me, sometimes years down the road, sometimes years down the road, He showed me other things that I had no knowledge of. I was not aware of. And when I saw it, I realized, oh Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Forever even entertaining a thought along that line, you were much more merciful than I would have even asked you to be. I didn't know that. I'm sorry I even thought that. I didn't know that. And so that's the case again and again. We didn't know. We didn't understand. But just come back to this basic faith. God is good. Friend, that'll get you through hard places in life. That'll get you through tough spots where you can't see and you don't know. God is good. God is fair. God is just. Amen. Amen. And it is His will for you to be blessed and victorious. No matter what you or anybody else is experiencing, that's His will. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. And you'll come out victorious. Can you say amen? Amen. I've kept you a little long, but I wanted, I wanted to get that across to you some way. Took me, took me years to get a hold of it. But you know, if you're listening, paying attention just then, you could, you could get a hold of some things. What do you do when you don't know why? When you can't figure? Don't let your faith get stripped off. Hold on to your faith. Amen. I may not know how. I may not know when. I may not know why. But I know God. He's real. He's true. He's good. You just hold on to it. You hold on to it in your spirit. And He'll come through for me. He'll deliver me. I don't know why this happened with this one. And I don't know about this. But I know what God told me. And I'm confident He will do for me what He told me He would do. And you hold on to that for you. And it'll work for you. God will come through. No one ever trusted in Him and was made ashamed. No one. He's not going to start with you. Praise God. Stand it with me if you would. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.